Nurses and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. Welcome to the apocalypse. Is your everyday feeling like a Monday? Well, you're not alone. I think the whole world's everyday is feeling like a Monday. Nobody knows what day it is. Nobody knows what time it is. Hell, nobody even knows if they've taken a bath. We're in this proverbial Groundhog's Day scenario. You know, like the movie where Bill Murray wakes up every day and it's the same day over and over again until he learns his lesson and then everything shifts. I think Bill Murray's going to come out and he's going to find the antidote. Like he's going to find the magic solution to cure the coronavirus. And everything will shift and everything will go back to normal. That probably won't happen, but I'm just saying. Anyway, what I do know is no one's talking about one of the most important things, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the immune system. I'm bringing on uh, a returning guest, Charles Graber, and he wrote the book, The Breakthrough, Immunotherapy and the Race to Cure Cancer, which everything in this book can now relate to what we're going through today. And we're also going to talk a little bit about journalism ethics and the lack of thereof that we've seen with all of this. This should be a fun episode. Stay tuned. Uh, But first, a word from our sponsor. Sequels. Some of them are good. Most of them are bad. But on the Sequels Revenge podcast, we're here to celebrate all things sequels. Host John Coulomb and Bill Posley bring on a guest to talk about their favorite movies, and then we pitch a sequel to it. It's a sequel that nobody asked for, but one that we'd like to see. Then we go away, write the first five pages to the sequel, bring in a table of actors to read it. So if any of this sounds appealing to you, you should download Sequels Revenge podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play stores. And welcome to the show, Charles Graber. Thanks for being on again. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Cool. And you were just telling me you are in Florida now. How are things in Florida? Because I know uh, they went on lockdown pretty late from this yeah, whole right. pandemic thing we're going through. That's right. Yeah, it, it, which I found frustrating. A lot of people found frustrating. It was really going county to county, uh, which was pushing, for instance, spring breakers from county to county, beach to beach. Um, the same group of people just moving into a new area, which is exactly what you, you don't want. And it also, I think, signaled to a lot of people that this isn't something to be taken that seriously. Um, and it was really only once the lockdown happened uh, that, that you saw a change. Uh, you can see it in the faces of people at the, at the supermarket, and, and it happened fairly, fairly quickly. They, so we're very glad uh, that, there is a, that there is that lockdown now. That signal's been sent, um, and hopefully it'll... it'll dampen the, the spread and flatten the curve but but Florida is showing that spike um, now uh, and it's it's a hot a real hot zone especially in the Miami area I'm, I'm not there but um, yeah it's it's here um, and and people are are concerned and, and now we're just trying to see if the hospitals can stay below uh, their capacity which is unlikely unfortunately 
Yeah, it should be interesting to see. I mean, one thing here going to the supermarkets is pretty crazy. It feels like Brave New World because, and I don't know if it's happened for you guys there. I know if you go to Ralph's here, you keep hearing uh, people say, there's an overhead speaker saying, wash your hands and uh, maintain social distance. And it's over and over and over again. It's really creepy. Um, I was Speaking to my friend Jim this uh, yesterday, actually, and he's your biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of Jim. I should one. make Jim your PR agent. I swear. <laughs> he's so funny. Anyway, but he was telling me, he's like, doesn't it feel like you're in Brave New World when you go into Ralph's? And I go to Ralph's because um, there's no line there, but you go inside and then you're, hit, you're bombarded with um, this dystopian like just nonsense over and over again and it and it's just like mind control it's really creepy and if you go to trader joe's here there's like 40 50 people in line so it's a depression era line you know there's all these time zones that are going on there's like the depression era and then we have this futuristic dystopian era in ralph's where you're told to wash your hands over and over again it's just crazy so yeah, yeah. I mean, here it's more like of a dystopian <laughs> comedy so that's what I call it. This is my dystopian comedy because I look around and you just have to kind of laugh and go, this is creepy, but it's funny. So yeah, yeah there's a, I think humor is really essential right now. It's, it's hard sometimes to know how to be funny uh, because there's so much obviously that's not funny uh, at all, but uh, there's, a, there's a certain absurdity to our, to our lives. It sort of feels like, you know, God pressed the pause button uh, to me. Oh yeah, if, definitely. You know, I so, felt like so every, that. Right, everything is moving so quickly. You know, new, new, uh, new art. You know, even you know, sort of use a Netflix example. Is but there's always new stuff coming up. You felt like you couldn't even see what was there, let alone what was coming next. Uh, there are books unread all over the house. I've got yeah. pu puzzles unopened, um, and you know, relationships really untended, uh, calls unmade, and that sort of thing. And now I'm hearing from people I haven't heard from, spending. Uh, in a way, more time, uh, thoughtful time with people I care about, uh, you know, virtually, uh, but if not in person. But it's as if it's a, we get to sort of examine what we have, where we are in this moment, uh, over and over again. I've heard it compared to Groundhog Day in that way. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, Groundhog Day is one of my favorite uh, movies. I use it in my writing classes <laughs> as an example, you know. Uh, which is which is really really interesting. It's like people can now look at their cycles, look at their programming, look at what they've been doing every day over and over again, and now they have pause to look at themselves in a third dimension, kind of like taking themselves right. out of that narrative, and uh, you know, seeing what they've created, you know, as a story. It's kind of. Have you seen Stranger Than Fiction? Uh, uh, with Will Ferrell. So. It's an older movie. It's the movie where. Um, this man is walking through his life and all of a sudden he hears this narrator as he's brushing his teeth because she's going to oh, kill him. I, 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 I remember seeing the previous part. I haven't seen it. Is it good? It's really good. It's great to watch it as a writer because um, Dustin Hoffman is in it and Will Ferrell finds Dustin Hoffman and he's like, somebody's narrating in my head. You know, it's this author. So they try to figure out what genre of story he's in. <laughs> He's like, are you in a romantic comedy? Are you in, you know, um, it, it, it's, are you in a classics? You know, it, it's right. so great. And, and so then they figure out what genre it is and they figure out 
who the author is. And, and then um, Will Ferrell goes and confronts her and stuff. So, and he's like, don't kill me. So, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really amazing good. how, how much this time uh, relates to movies that seem to have parallels in, in frankly, in mental, mental illness. So, you know, the Truman show, for example. Is, oh is yeah. It's another one. Um, but uh, yeah, this is, um, uh, it, it's, it's certainly not like a time, uh, I've ever experienced before. And I, I wonder how we will remember it if we have the luxury of remembering it. Um, and if yeah. how much well, it will change President us. Trump was saying uh, we should just forget about it. It was really interesting. He's like, we're going to move on and we're going to forget. And I was like, good luck with that one. <laughs> <laughs> PTSD galore. That's anyway. amazing. You know, apparently, uh, you know, it, I, I'd heard, uh, I've been talking to some people about that same phenomenon in relationship to the, uh, Spanish influenza, 1918, and right. how strange it was that something that was so devastating and, and impacted the the culture so uh, you know so so heavily, and, and obviously just changed people's lives and, and ended so many lives, really uh, isn't something that uh, was was passed on. It didn't seem to leave a mark on the culture at all. At least not one that you'd heard referenced really very much before this pandemic. And one of the theories about that is that it had been so traumatic. And that people were, uh, many of them were, were so um, uh, so uh, traumatized by their own behaviors in this time of panic, um, how they'd, if they'd survived, if they'd, how they'd isolated, or traumatized by what had happened to them, that, that they didn't really want to remember, um, that they, yeah. they, they, they blotted it out, um, because it really was uh, so devastating. So I, I, I will be, uh, I look forward to having hindsight. <laughs> put it yeah, should be interesting to see. Well, I want to jump into your book. The last time we talked last year, you had the breakthrough coming out. Yes. Um, and, and like I told you, I was doing a lot of my research. And uh, one of the things that angers me so much about these press conferences that they've been having, especially with Dr. Fauci, is nobody's talking about the immune system and how to protect mm -hmm. yourself. You know, everybody just keeps saying, oh, we need the vaccine. That's what they go to. And it's like they talk to the general general population all over the world like we're a bunch of idiots. You know, mm -hmm. like we're mind-controlled idiots and we're just sitting there waiting for someone to come up with something. Personally, I've been talking to a lot of my healthcare friends and I'm like, is it just me or is something wrong? Is everything that we learned in school all these years just going out the door? Like nothing matters anymore. You know, mm -hmm. forget about everything you've learned. And, uh, you know, it, it's just really bizarre. I mean, what's your take of it? Yeah, well, there are a number of things that, that upset me about those press conferences. I will, <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you that. Uh, you know, this is a time when we need clear information uh, and a, and a, and a you know, a steady, a steady voice. I, I love here. I think Fauci's been, been really good. Um, and, and I, I look to him quite a bit, but uh, yeah, it, it, I think it's a, a really important time to, to be informed on every level, not in terms of, uh, you know, just in terms of the big theory and the hope. And, and I think giving people hope and having saying, this is what we're waiting for. Um, I think that's important so that it doesn't, you know, if you have the sense that, that there's no end to this, um, I think that can really be overly dispiriting and, and could, could backfire, could really counter a lot of the, you know, people need to know this is a marathon and not a sprint, but like a marathon, it does have an, an end point. It does have a goal. 
Um, but but yeah, I, mean, I think it's it's also a really great time to to be informed about the mechanics of what's happening to us, what's exactly. happening in our bodies. What, that's what what's what's freaking people out the most. They they don't understand what's really going on, and right. understand what's really going on, going on with your body. Which um, on my last podcast, uh, when we talked about this whole pandemic coming through before it was a big thing in January where we're like, I, I had uh, Jason Tetra on and he's known as the germ guy. He's published several books. He has his own podcast and you know, he came on and he said, Hey, it's kind of like another SARS, but it shouldn't be that bad. It should kind of, it's not even as bad as the flu, but this virus attacks your B cells. You know, it's going to go right to attacking your lungs. It's going to affect people who are diabetics, immunocompromised, who have heart disease, who are smokers. And I'm like, yeah, that's everybody in America. You know, I got freaked out. He's like, yeah, it's not going to be that bad. And I'm like, Whoa. and then sure enough, <laughs> right after that podcast, you know, uh, Italy started shutting down in February and then it came to us in March. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's all been very, very interesting. But like I mentioned, no one's talking about how people can protect themselves and their immune system, where if you go to the supermarket, you'll see all the junk food aisles cleared out, all the yeah. snacks cleared out, you know, but you go to the produce where all the fruits and vegetables are, and even the meats, the protein, it's full, stock full, stock full mm -hmm. of lots of produce, you know, and that's what people should be. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There, there's really, a, you know, one of the, the most interesting aspects of the immune system and our new understanding, our breakthrough understanding of, of how immunity works and our immune system functions is, is the microbiome, right? All the, exactly. the, little, the, the little critters that evolved with us over 500 million years uh, that are uh, having a constant conversation, interaction with, with our bodies and our, our body processes and the chemicals there and the, the chemistry there and the and the and the and our immune response and and feeding that microbiome, feeding them, you know, uh, microbiome chow, which is a diversity like of things that, that you can't digest. Chow. That's yeah, that I mean, that's your what, next book, microbiome chow. For sure, it's, it's, <laughs> it's it, I mean, that's the thing. That's I know I never understood what fiber was. I don't remember if we spoke about this before, but I always assumed fiber was just you know, best thing you could do is eat a loofah sponge because fiber is supposed to clean you out and bulk up your. Right. You know, just make it so you're 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 more solid as you defecated, and that was it. But really, what you're what you're what you're eating, what fiber is, it's the stuff that you can't digest, and it is microbiome chow. It is the stuff that that those things do digest. And if you feed them all one thing or all the wrong thing, you are basically encouraging. You know, it's like encouraging uh, uh, the rats, but not the rest of the, of the ecosystem. True. You know, and so you really want to make sure that in this time you know, it is natural to want to go to comfort foods. And I understand that, you know, Cheetos is, is, is having a, a, a heyday, you know, I totally really? get that. I, you know, I had, I did have pizza for breakfast this morning, I will admit, but, <laughs> it, but that said, it's really, and, and it's harder than ever. If you don't want to be going to the supermarket very often, it's, it's perhaps harder to have things that don't freeze, um, you know, and, and that aren't, aren't fresh. Uh, but it's really more important than ever to to be able to feed all those little little critters um, uh, all all throughout your throughout your body and and that they they can help you stay healthy. They in fact they're finding that um, some of those some of the microbiome changing within your lungs 
uh, might be a good indicator of, of you know, where you are in terms of disease progression. It might really indicate what sort of uh, level of disease you will, you will see in terms of COVID-19. Uh, that's one of the, the, the factors they're looking at right now, one of the indicators. So, so it's, uh, you know, that, and there's a lot of crossover. Uh, my book, uh, The Breakthrough, was, was about uh, the, the breakthrough in immunotherapy and how that applies to cancer. But the major half of that book, half of the, the even the, the you know the, the uh, subtitle of that book, uh, is the immunotherapy part. And right. immunotherapy is any therapy that uses your immune system to uh, fight and beat disease. And that's exactly what we're talking about about here. And it's every, all the uh, all the breakthroughs that led up to the breakthrough that I really write about in in my book, the breakthrough about uh, how the immune system can recognize and kill cancer cells absolutely are being leveraged now to in order to be able to figure out how to make this that same immune system be able to recognize fight and kill uh covid uh, 19 infected cells it's very similar you know cancer obviously is, is it's not from an infectious agent but it is a normal human cell a normal body cell uh that's been reprogrammed to do something that's uh, so it's no longer a team player right it's now just producing more virus um, and uh, and and other infections uh, uh, result, and we're still learning. Uh, all in fact, we still don't really know exactly how this thing works. It seems as if it's you know there's a uh, it's robbing the body, your body's ability to uh, to carry oxygen. Uh, it's obviously where we know about the, the pneumonia-like uh, elements, the, the ground glass um, uh, elements of in the in the lungs and so forth, but. But if you go back a little bit and just and, and look at this, what you want are your the, the, the immune cells in your body, your B cells and your T cells and your macrophages and a whole bunch of others uh, to be able to recognize a sick cell. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's a, a, a the cell that's been that's sick in a way that it's not used to seeing, which is the novel part of the coronavirus, um, a novelly sick cell and kill it like it does others. And once you can train your body to do that. I mean, that's why we're looking for a vaccine where the vaccine, the idea of the vaccine is that a vaccine will train your body for what to look for. And you'll be able to build up a T cell army ready to, to, to be able to attack it. And also a B cell army with the right B cells. Remember, they're just like Spider-Man, right? They just, right. they don't kill anything themselves. They just shoot out antibodies and you've got uh, 10 to the 19th power, different flavors of of B cells in your body, each one making a specific type of antibody. Hope and those antibodies that you hope that you've got the right kind of antibody that's going to meet and re recognize um, a, an attacker. An attacker maybe it's never even seen before, and it's like a, a you know, it's like you've got a, a billion billion keys to locks that may or may not show up. And we really haven't seen this lock before, but if you can figure out which keys actually fit that lock, those 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 antibodies. Um, they don't kill a virus, but they recognize and stick to a virus and they can be like a, a flag saying, kill this thing. Um, they can also gum up the virus so that it, it can't, it, it's, its machinery can't operate. So it can't dock with a normal body cell and infect that body cell. So, so building up those aspects, um, that's immunotherapy and immunotherapies are exactly what we're, we're, we're looking for here. So, so yes, maintaining a healthy immune system, understanding uh, how the immune system works and how infection works, um, and understanding what it is we're trying to do. Um, uh, 
what the researchers are trying to do, what, you know, what we're looking for on the horizon. I think those are all incredibly important things right now. And, and uh, happily, so, I, quite by accident, I, I covered a lot of them in this book. Yeah, that's why, that's why I told you, like, before we were talking about this, it's like I was doing a lot of research into Florence Nightingale, and then I just got the idea of your book. And I was like, hey, wait a minute, you know, this is something no one's talking about. I don't know why. Because I'm sure if they told the population, hey, all you got to do, I mean, one of the things that you have to do in order to keep yourself healthy is um, boost up your immune system. Here are ways you can. I've read several articles that were saying you can't do that. Like supplements don't work and nothing's going to work for you, which what they're doing is instilling more fear into the population, you know? It's like I'm always teaching my patients, you know, boost up your vitamin D, uh, boost up your vitamin C levels, eat healthy, eat more of a higher pH diet, uh, which is um, avocados have a very high pH, alkaline water, uh, you want to keep more of a alkaline area for your microbiome, right? Mm. So uh, it keeps your body more in balance. Uh, yeah, like my parents, I'm always checking in with them. Um, they're elderly, but they're eating what they're supposed to be eating. And they eat from their intuition, which I think people have lost. And my parents are old school. Um, they grow a lot of their own vegetables and stuff. Uh, but I call them up, what are you guys eating? They're like brodo. And brodo is like a beef broth, uh, bone broth type of soup, which is really great for your microbiome. They're having uh, guacamole. <laughs> you know they have an avocado tree so yeah they're eating avocados daily and stuff i'd like to be invited over to your, to your parents that. house i'm sorry i'd like to be invited over to your parents oh house. i know yeah this slide the, uh, the guacamole through uh, the cat door or something but uh, i know you know another aspect uh, you, you can forget about especially in these days when we're really you know sheltering in place and inside is um you talked about vitamin d and the importance of of uh, of sunlight um, yeah. to to regulating your immune system and there have been studies about that and that's really an important thing to remember is you know aspects like exercise and 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 sunlight um which you might you know be sort of skipping right now is a sort of a, a two-month three-month-long netflix binge uh right. period of your, of your life yeah like this is actually it's really important yeah it's huge because of the mitochondria as well too you know uh because one of the things why I, I'm thinking this virus hits people who are older, it's because they have a decreased, uh, their mitochondria is like dying out more, you know, and that starts with your eyes. Um, and it starts around the age of 45. It's like you have decreased uh, or more cell damage in your eyes, which is why you have to wear your reader glasses and stuff. And it's because that's where your mitochondria starts to degenerate as you age you know, so staying inside and not getting sunlight, that's one of the factors that makes your mitochondria decrease. And it also affects your circadian rhythm as well, uh, which is so important to go outside and see sunlight when you wake up in the morning so that yeah. your body can uh, reboot and know what's going on. So with everyone so out of whack, you know, so many people working from home and, and home is not always uh, the easiest place to work from, especially if you've got you know other people there and other and other distractions, and and I'm so sure true. that there are a lot of a lot of people with very disturbed sleep cycles right now. And sleep is also one of the more important aspects to to remember uh, when you're trying to think about a, a healthy immune system. 
Um, you know, it's, it, there are some people obviously sleeping all the time right now, <laughs> um, and, you know, because you can, uh, there's you know, a lot of people are out of work um, and it's a depressing uh, yeah. sort of circumstances, but you have to remember, get, get your good, healthy, uh, sober sleep, uh, you know, every so day. So true it. for your immune system. It's like imperative. Yeah. What, so take us back again. Like, why did you decide to write this book? You had met some guy on a plane, right? Yeah, I mean, the, sort of the, the 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 story around that was that I just happened to meet a guy on on a plane, a very long flight. I was coming back from New Zealand, where I was doing a a, a story, a follow up story, um, uh, to one that I published in Wired, involving this guy named Kim dot com, who was under house arrest there. Um, and you could find that online pretty easily if you're interested in that. It was involved in a huge raid, and it's very interesting and completely off this subject because it was on the way back. Um, and spent a bit of time in the in the bar, uh, and was next to another guy who had who had done the same during during one of the layovers. This is, these are very long flights, and so we actually chatted a little bit, which is what we usually wouldn't I usually wouldn't do very much on a on a really long long flight, um, and or pretty much any flight, and uh, so especially now, right? And <laughs> and you know, it turns out that. Uh, you know, this guy is asking why I was coming from New Zealand and, and he knew the story that I'm referring to. He'd, he'd read my story. In fact, he'd read a whole bunch of my stories. Wow. Um, and so he, he knew my work really well. He was very excited. And, and I thought this was really interesting and said as much that he found this stuff to be the most interesting stuff he knew about. And I, I had to stop him there and say, well, you know, I, I, my job is to really go and talk to experts in fields uh, that I am not in. Uh, you know, and, and find out what they know and what they consider to be the most interesting, important thing they know. And that's how I, I learn because people have, have unique perspectives, especially experts um, that, that don't always translate to, uh, to, to regular people. And my job is to try and figure out what those are, try to get my head around them and then translate them to, to myself and to yeah. people like, like me. Um, and in, you know, in, in usually in long stories. And as a biologist, the most interesting thing he knew about was uh, this breakthrough in, in cancer immunotherapy. The breakthrough being that we always, uh, we never knew why it was that you, you, if, you know, you, if you have a, a cold or a flu, as we're talking about now, you have symptoms, you have fever and cough and all these other things. Um, you always know when you're sick with that because your immune system is putting up a fight against it. Um, and raising the temperature and having all these other reactions, but with cancer, you always you you need to, usually need a test to know whether or not you have it, and and that's because the immune system doesn't seem to to recognize cancer and and or do anything about it, and that's the reason your immune system can't be trained to fight it. That was the thinking, so there would be no vaccine against cancer ever, and so the only thing one could do is is try to poison cancer or cut it out or. or radiated, you know, cut With poison and burn. Right. right. And the breakthrough was that all that was wrong. It turns out that your immune system can recognize cancer and it does recognize cancer, but cancer, the successful cancer, the cancer that's, which is to say cancer that can keep on evading the immune system, keep on growing, keep on replicating itself. Um, those cancers have tricks built in. You can think of them as secret handshakes and they, there are secret handshakes uh, given to your immune cells, to your T cells, um, that say, hey, I'm a normal body cell. Don't, don't kill me. And these are tricks 
that we've evolved, um, they're sort of circuit breakers, safeties built into our immune cells uh, because our immune cells, our immune response is incredibly powerful and incredibly effective. Uh, but, you know, you don't want your immune system, for example, to attack a developing fetus, which also, which looks like an, an invader. It looks, looks like a foreign cell, right? It, it doesn't look like the mother cell. It doesn't look normal because it's, it's not all mother, it's half father there. So, so you have to have these, these safeties built in so that you don't have uh, autoimmune disease, essentially. And when you, if you took those safeties off, it would be much more dangerous, really, than any foreign disease. So these safeties are built in to our immune system. We never knew it before. And the breakthrough was the discovery of, of well, one of these safeties um, at first, and the fact that cancer knows how to use that safety, how to trip that fuse, how to give the secret handshake that says, I'm cool, I'm a developing fetus, don't attack me. And once we, once we knew that, we could start looking for others, and we found others. And this completely changed the direction of, of cancer treatment, cancer research, um, and really, for the first time, opened up the possibility uh, that we were going to cure, cure cancer, cure all cancer. In fact, we've already essentially cured some cancers. The quest now is to broaden that. But this changed. This is a fascinating time. The world was flat, and then it, with the discovery, uh, we realized the world was round, and we could we could really um, pursue a line of research and treatment that we that had been considered possible impossible, and in fact, had been considered a waste of time. People that believed this approach was possible, immunotherapists, cancer immunotherapists, were really the laughingstock of the scientific community and, and underfunded and, and, and underappreciated. And now everything's immunotherapy, um, now that we realize the power of the immune system. And, and some of, as I, as I mentioned, a lot of the complexities of the immune system, a lot of the stuff we've learned as a result of this is being directly applied to the fight against the novel coronavirus. Um, so that's, that's, that's a well. That's how the how the book started, at least, and a little bit of a leak into what the book's about, I guess. Yeah, it's really fascinating. So interesting, and very coincidental that you meet someone on a plane, and all of a sudden it uh, throws you down a rabbit hole, and here you have a book. Absolutely, five five so, short years later. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, what I, I thought was really interesting in your book and I'm kind of attributing to what's going on with Corona is that, um, there is cell death that goes on in the body that's called apoptosis, right? But sometimes that cell death doesn't happen and there, you have an accumulation of these cells. So, which makes the body toxic in a way because the, the body's not like rebooting, the body's not detoxing itself. And um, if you have, in my opinion, this is my opinion, not, it's anecdotal, I guess we can say, and we'll get to anecdotes in a little bit, but um, the body becomes toxic, you know, and they're saying one of the reasons um, that certain people are getting affected is, or in, this is my opinion again, is because people are so toxic. Uh, and in some, uh, there are some theories that 5G could be at fault for that. Um, and people who have high aluminum levels in their bodies, it could be affecting them where their body is going into detox mode, where there's this cytokine storm that's happening and their immune system is unable to um, fight it off in a way. Yeah, there's, it's, it's interesting that you, you mentioned the cytokine storm there. They, there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of theories about this and there's also sort of a genetic component that people are, are looking at in terms of uh, uh, who has uh, 
who has cells with, with certain types of receptors where um, we know that the ACE2 receptor is heavily involved. The corona spike, it's called corona because yeah. it's crown-like and, and that uh, the, the crown-like receptor um, links to the ACE2 exactly. receptor. And you find a lot of them in, in your throat, which is one of the reasons mm-hmm. and that, that you're, this differs from, from SARS. Uh, and that instead of going directly to the lungs and infecting them and, and being very obvious because your lungs are occluded and you, and you, you have these symptoms and cough and pneumonia-like things, uh, it, instead you, you end up with a, a virus that's festering in your throat where you can still breathe it out and aerosolize it and cough it out and all these other things um, and infect your sinuses and so forth, but it hasn't fully manifested into the lungs. And so the prevalence of those receptors and, and what and what you're you're doing to them or not doing to them with, for instance, hypotensive drugs. They're they're right now trying to understand. Or smoking as well. Well, smoking, right? You every time you know you 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 smoke, you the the you, just the carbon monoxide itself. They're little. They're, you've got little hairs, right? Little cilia uh, that in your right. in your throat that's constantly kicking up material, including this viral mm-hmm. material, and you're not uh, those things. Those little hairs, uh, the cilia, they just. They just drop and they pass out for uh, for I think twelve to thirty six hours uh, every every time they get you know it's like you stuck them in a garage with the car running and they yeah. they pass yeah. out and so that all those seems things seem to to be affected uh, by that as well but it's um, it's a it's a really yeah there are a lot of a lot of theories around it and I know that the science is still evolving yeah it's it's all very interesting. Um, I want to jump into the anecdotal history of your book, which I thought was really interesting because this is what we hear these debates all the time, like uh, about anecdotes, like there's no research, there's no hardcore research, that's anecdotal. I mean, what, what's that all about? Can you explain anecdotes? Yeah, so, so the, the whole, the, I was certainly taught that the plural of, of anecdote is not data, which is to say, uh, just because there's a story of this person, you know, this person happened to uh, uh, eat a, a, a fruit from that tree and two days later they were cured of leprosy and someone else also ate uh, fruit from a, a similar tree and they too uh, uh, were cured of leprosy. It doesn't take into account all the other factors that could have had something else to do with that. There are a lot of people that are, you know, you, you just because you, uh, you know, you just because a number of things happen to people that, that had similar circumstances doesn't automatically mean that it's causal, right? That these that one thing led to the other. Um, at the same time, uh, to ignore that type of material, uh, to not be able to collect it, that's that's a uh, that doesn't lead to any insight either. And and for for uh, cancer immunotherapy, for the in terms of the story of whether or not the immune system could recognize cancer, could be unleashed to fight cancer. Um, there were stories of people that had these spontaneous remissions, for example, uh, especially spontaneous remissions following uh, other types of infections and high fevers that, that, that resulted, um, that really suggested that something, I mean, unless it was magic, which let's just say it's not magic, uh, something was happening there. And that something wasn't looked at scientifically. So all this anecdotal evidence uh, led some scientists to look further and look for uh, a greater understanding of what had happened with these spontaneous remissions. And it 
led because they couldn't figure it out because the science is very complicated. The immune system's really complicated. Yeah. Um, the, uh, and cancer's really complicated. And the people that could understand both things at the same time, uh, there's a really small group of people. And the failure to understand those linkages led a lot of people to dismiss them entirely, which is a mistake. So, so just because something's anecdotal doesn't mean it's not true. It's uh, what you really want to be able to do is bear that out to have, have, a, have a theory and look at it, uh, taking away as many other variables as possible to be able to verify that, yes, this is causal. And then also you want to be able to um, understand the underlying mechanisms uh, behind what you're seeing and what that causality is. And, and, and then you can really, really work with it. And I know we're seeing that quite a bit uh, right now because there's is a lot of it's, it's just come at us really fast. Um, that I'm just speaking about the, um, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Um, it's come at us relatively quickly. We're still trying to understand how it works. We're seeing all sorts of things in different types of patients and different, under different circumstances. And we're, we're also at the same time, uh, we have a lot of other variables in the world. You spoke of 5G, you know, there are, but there really there's, um, and smoking and all these other you know, there are a, a, a million other factors that, that can be taken to ACE inhibitors, other factors that can be taken into account. And we, we yet to be able to sort these things out and understand real causality there. Um, I know that's really been very much in, uh, in the news lately because of, uh, because of the hype around uh, hydrochloroquine, uh, yes. the malarial drug, um, which, you know, so we're hearing uh, from, some countries that they're having good, great responses uh, to hydrochloroquine or they're, or they're having some prophylactic responses or, or, or good uh, responses from uh, the patients on ventilators or getting off ventilators. Um, at the same time, uh, we also know that, you know, these are anecdotes, these are stories. And that right. means we need to look, right, at, right, look right. at it. At the same time, we also know that hydrochloroquine, this is a drug that's given to people with malaria, um, used by people uh, who have lupus, people that are taking this drug that have malaria, people with lupus are still getting sick with this virus. Right. It's not protecting them. So, so we're, so it's not, and then the, the studies that have tried to look at this in a systematic way, removing all the other variables um, have been very, very small. And, uh, and most of them have, have actually shown, shown no benefit. So we're trying to sort, that doesn't mean it shouldn't be looked at more because there, there are right now 150 different clinical studies looking at different things that might work. These are drugs that might prevent, mostly prevent the virus from being able to successfully you know, merge with your cell and inject its, its blueprints, uh, its, you know, DNA blueprints into your cell. So your cell becomes a factory to make more and more of the virus. So if you can, you know, stick a wad of gum on that, on that virus and prevent yeah. it from being able to work um, at, with, with a drug that we already have on the shelf that we already know is safe, um, but we don't understand fully how it works. That would be the best because that's going to be really quick. So we're, so these anecdotes are incredibly important right now. Um, they're, they're much like in the, in the, the, the days before immunotherapy, cancer immunotherapy was accepted um, and its scientific basis is, it, it was understood those anecdotes are really what, what, uh, what, first of all, signaled to researchers, that this, a handful of researchers, that this needs to be looked at and taken seriously. And it's really what kept that hope alive. Without the anecdote, we have no light at all. So the anecdotes are similarly being chased down now. Um, the, 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 what's important is to not latch on to the, the other problem with anecdotes, of course, is that 
there's usually things you hear person to person. And so you're going to hear some and you're not going to hear others. And what we want to be able to do is look at all the anecdotes and study them in a, in a systematic way so that we, we don't go chasing one at the expense uh, of, of others, because if we, we, you know, obviously the longer this goes on, um, the, the more damage it, it does and, and the more chance that, you know, the, 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 we will, uh, the more deaths we will see, frankly. Totally true. Another thing I want to talk about kind of moving away from uh, immunotherapy is just ethics, ethics and journalism. Um, I think that's something we haven't seen because <laughs> in the beginning of all of this, we had this media storm, which I think caused a lot of fear in the population. I mean, I remember when I heard about it, um, we were going into quarantine. It was like the week before, and I had met my um, sound engineer, John, um, at a cafe. And I was like, oh, our coronavirus episode is doing really good because we hadn't um, published uh, uh, any podcast episodes for about two months. And I go, we're still going strong. I go, we're getting like tons of hits. And he's like, oh yeah, well, there's actual podcasts called Coronavirus Podcasts. And I go, what? <laughs> like Within a, not even a week of us going into quarantine already, there was people publishing podcasts. I mean, it was more like MSNBC and those big media outlets. But um, a lot of these journalists that I'm seeing that have been writing, it, it looks like they have no merit. It's just like they just keep writing and writing and writing. I mean, I... I don't know. I think ethics has gone out the door almost. Yeah. I, I haven't written anything about uh, this virus. I've been following it very carefully. I have family members who are uh, working with it. I have a lot of, obviously this, my network of, of people that I've been in touch with writing this book that I'm still paying a lot of attention to because they are focused on this. I have a lot, a lot to say, um, uh, but I'm not, uh, I find that there's just be a lot being said already and sorting out, what's worth hearing from what's not um, is, is becoming increasingly difficult. And that's really, really dangerous. It's a, such a terrifying time that, uh, you know, the, the, the rumor machine uh, is, in, is full tilt. People want more news on this than may even exist. And so anything you can write about it um, will be picked up and, and spread. And sometimes uh, it, the reason something is spread is, is not because it's true or important. It's just because it's especially salacious or, or, uh, uh, you know, or fantastical. And I heard a lot of, you know, I, I was sent a lot of rumors, uh, early on as well about what was going to be happening, what is happening, what's, uh, you know, what the effects are. And so it's so important to be able to get good information, be able to sort out that good information from bad. It's really difficult right now. Um, you, you know, the, the, your question with regards journalistic ethics and the fact is that everyone's become a journalist. Uh, right. And, you know, they, 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 this is a, uh, you know, I'm on the, um, a member of the Board of Governors for something called the Overseas Press Club, which is an old institution uh, from an era before their, uh, before everyone was a journalist. This was sort of a, they had a, a headquarters and it was, you knew who was in what country and their job was to, you know, they, there was a code of conduct. Uh, you had uh, sourcing needed to be, nailed down, you had to have multiple sources, you had to verify everything, you had to fact check. All of this gets in the way, frankly, of being able to crank out a lot of words quickly and being able to make things as sensational as possible. And in the digital age where newspapers have, have, have lost their shirts, 
Um, everyone's a journalist. Every every you know every media channel is a is, is filled with self uh, journalists. Twitter is a, a you know a, a journal stream. There are influencers. Um, that code of ethics really doesn't. It exists, uh, and it exists for uh, for for people that have dedicated themselves to this properly. But I think there's been a lot of pressure from uh, from the marketplace to uh, to make news that sells as opposed yeah. that feeds what people already want to hear. And so we saw um, we saw at least one network uh, telling people there was nothing to worry about and that they shouldn't take any precautions and that this thing was a, was a hoax. And that was believed, uh, you know, I mean, Florida, I saw people believing that um, it, it became a matter, a political issue. If you believed that uh, this virus was something to be taken seriously and that we should prepare and that social distancing was a good idea, you, uh, you, it, you were announcing yourself uh, essentially as a, as a, uh, as a, as a liberal and, and that as if um, the politics and the science had anything to do with each other. And that, that polarization, I think, was an enormous mistake. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, you're, and we're seeing, I think, the, the fallout from that now. A lot of people that didn't take it seriously, that, that continued to, to get close uh, to each other uh, at a time when they were spreading the virus and not realizing it, um, they, were, they thought they were watching the news, but they didn't realize that, um, that there really is no one news. So this becomes a, a time when you really want to check your sources uh, yourself, unfortunately, because we're all journalists, we have to act like journalists ourselves and not just be consumers of news, but be smart consumers. Um, I, w- happily, right now, what I'm finding in terms of good information, uh, we're seeing a lot of the, uh, we're seeing hospitals themselves uh, start starting to broadcast information reliably. We're seeing, I was just looking at a, a slide presentation from the University of Pennsylvania uh, that would be a grand rounds presentation, right? Usually it would only be for people within the hospital uh, that was made public. You're seeing that from UMass as well. You're seeing that from hospitals. I know in California and around the country, it's not only hospitals that should be doing this, of course, but, but, but this is a, and not everything can be understood by, by every, every listener or viewer, but, um, but you know, you can get the best information possible. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, um, right now there's so much we don't know. And what you can't write a story about is uncertainty. Uh, you know, and so that's so anything that seems certain, um, that's going to spread faster. And and so this is you're you're really right. You can't. The problem with with you know I don't know what you do about journalistic ethics. You one hopes that the um, that the uh, the public that all of us will start to recognize uh, good sources and start to frequent those good sources to. Um, you know, perhaps we'll have to, you know, know, put a few pennies in the jar every time you, uh, to support the people that are working full time, trying to make sure they're telling only reliable, um, uh, fact checked uh, stories and, and also wean ourselves, I think do ourselves a favor. It's very hard, um, not to keep pressing refresh on the news button or not to watch the 24 on your Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, because there's always something new, but because when that monster needs to be fed all the time, eventually it, it's, it's garbage that comes out. There may not be any more information. So, so you're going to just, you can hear too much. So I think it's up to us to, to uh, put ourselves on a little bit of a, of a diet when it comes to uh, the news sources. And that might be a little boring, frankly. Uh, well, it, and you're bringing up a good point on going on a diet because in the beginning when this, w- when this beast was uh, just starting to get started in the media, 
Um, I have a friend who works in an urgent care. He's a nurse practitioner. And he was sending me these um, health histories that people were coming in with, their complaints. And there were huge hypochondriacs. I mean, people were actually believing that they could get COVID-19 from the TV. They thought they had it. And so they were going in. They had no symptoms. They're like, I know I had it. You know, no contacts, no nothing. Perfectly healthy. And they were so freaked out. They were freaked out mm-hmm. that their kids were going to get it. I mean, people were freaked out that their children were going to stop breathing in their sleep. I mean, they were freaked out to go outside. They're, you know, they're freaked out to breathe even. I mean, the right. fear that this is instilled is absolutely out of control. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, and it, I'm sure I'm not alone uh, uh, here in, in being the person awake at 4 a.m. thinking uh, I'm having difficulty breathing that I hadn't noticed before. I'm, I'm unable to catch my breath slightly. Am I, am I hot? Is that because I, I, did, I put the wrong <laughs> yeah. number of covers on? Well, I'm always um, checking my temperature. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my little thermometer, I'm like, well, that's okay. Yeah, right. you're, that, that's the smart response. My response is, um, you know, I, 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 you know, panic starts to look a lot like the symptoms and fear yeah. begets fear. And so I think everyone's, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're scared right now. We don't know. Um, it, it, we, we, you don't know when you're going to get it and how you're going to get it. And if you're going to get it, and if you get it, if you will survive, um, you know, we, we thought we understood even how it was being transmitted. And now we're learning that actually speaking um, might, the force of, of breath uh, is enough to actually eject the virus. So it's something that was considered safe. Um, we're finding that, it, that, that uh, the virus can live in the air for hours. So, uh, now if you're in a room and, you know, you're, you're, um, a nurse with, without proper PPE and which many, many still are, unfortunately, yeah, um, uh, you know, crazy. people I, I know very well. Um, and I'll, I'm just only, you know, I'll be a little, uh, oblique here just so that I, uh, to protect identities because people are being threatened with their job when they speak, yeah. speak yeah. about the truth. But um, but even when this started, they, they were given no PPE. They were there at meetings that were being held in the same room, everyone close together. Um, and, and they had, uh, you know, nursing home patients in the ward that were, that no one was sick yet. Now half the staff is, is sick. Um, mm-hmm. They're showing people are, 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 uh, the patients are, are, you know, at least one of them has, has died. Uh, uh, others are showing uh, are, are COVID positive and they're, and they're they're sort of they're always one one step behind uh, in in bringing people in and to not uh, and and this, these new revelations to understand that a room without in great stillness you can be more than six feet away and that virus is traveling for hours they're finding so the virus more. that this is not something that was understood before and so this new as new information comes in it seems to discount the old information which I think makes people a couple of things that scares them crap out of people as it, as it should but it also seems to um, suggest that the, that the older that the, the source of the old information should not be trusted or that we we shouldn't believe anything anymore because what, that what was true is no longer true it's it's we're learning about it very quickly but but it can lead some people to to give up on the idea of truth or science altogether just because um, because we're, we're, we're learning and that sense of that that that's really very dangerous as, as well. Um, so that's something I think we want to be looking at for these days and, and get to give ourselves a break uh, from, 
constant information that you get, you know, yeah. err on the side of caution in terms of interactions with, with folks right now. Uh, let, uh, let the science settle in, let people figure out what's going on. If you're part of that front line, be as careful as you can watch other people, uh, gown up and gown up with them so that you, you know, double checking, um, and, and not overindulge, not, don't get, don't get drunk on, on information. Don't get drunk. Oh, it's on so anything. true. I think that's, that's the ticket right there is people are getting so obsessed that it's making them depressed. It's making them just, they have faces of fear. I mean, even in my webinars that I've been teaching for storytelling, I've had several nurses come on. I had um, a teacher in Spain come on and, and just the looks of terror on their face. It, it just was so sad, you know, and, and I'm just like, wow, it, it's crazy. And, um, you know, I, I talked to one of my friends who's debriefing um, patients on a, or nurses on a psychological level, and they are just mortally afraid of getting this virus and transmitting it to their family members and mm. to their, their children, you know. So, and usually, um, as a healthcare provider myself and um, working uh, as a nurse and a nurse practitioner for over 20 years in the healthcare system, I never once thought, hey, I'm going to go to work and get sick. You know, I always felt very, very safe. And I remember at the tail end of the HIV and AIDS crisis that happened, um, you know, we had to gown and glove to go in. And it was mostly to protect that patient because they were immunocompromised. It really wasn't my protection, you know, because we knew how that was spread through bodily fluids and stuff and through sexual contact, of course. But um, yeah, it's just pretty crazy and wild, um, all the fear. So thank you for being on. Uh, what else are you working on right now? Oh, well, I'm, I'm working on some, uh, some, some stuff along the lines that we were just talking about because of this crossover, um, it just seems like a, an, another important time to, to speak about what immunotherapy is, uh, to talk about the immune system. So I'm actually working on, on something um, that's relates, that connects what I've already written about to uh, to this virus and, and to, excellent. Uh, to well, it's such a perfect time to have you on then. No, it's it's, it's excellent. I'm also working at the same time on uh, on a few things that have absolutely nothing to do with this virus at all. Just like I, I think you need to, everyone needs to give themselves a break. You don't feel guilty if you just ignore this thing for a while as yeah. long as you're isolating. Um, I I this is a time when I want to go into a, a fantasy world. I want to write a uh, you know a dirty little crime book. Uh, or, yeah, uh, you know, exactly. this sort of thing, you know what I mean? Um, uh, something to, so, you know, something that's, that's, that's on the nose and really relevant to the, to the, to the time and the, and the challenge ahead of us and the science that's going and the, and the, and the fear, and then something that is hopefully, uh, escapist and at least allows me to escape. Cool. And is your movie, um, the good nurse, uh, what's yeah. going on with that? Yeah, I mean, talk about a, a, an appropriate time to uh, to make a movie about a nurse hero because that's well, the thing about the, the good nurse. If, if your listeners don't know, there's a the, the book, the good nurse. It is about the most prolific serial killer in American history who was a nurse, and he would uh, speak only to me. But there, he's not the only nurse in it, and there are hero nurses in this book that are the hero of the book. The, the book's not uh, the, the title is not ironic. Um, he, this uh, Charles Cullen, the serial killer, was seen as a good nurse by most people because uh, uh, you know it was this. It was, some of his actions, he was a very good nurse. Uh, 
when he was good and very bad when he was not. Uh, but there are real heroes in in that. And that book talks about some of the sacrifices that, that nurses make and, and how difficult it can be to speak truth to power and to be a, a true patient advocate and the prices paid by whistleblowers in that case. We're seeing that over again. And then here you have a movie of the book that gets to celebrate exactly that, um, a whistleblower nurse who who stepped up and was a hero. Um, and, you know, everything's shut down, obviously, right now, but this was isn't supposed to be filming until... Um, the end of the year. And as far as I know, we still have, you know, Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne signed up uh, to play the two leads and a fantastic screenwriter, Christy Cairns Wilson, who, who wrote um, uh, 1918, uh, which. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Or was it 1917? 1918's on my brain, but I think it's 1917. That was the World War One. Yeah, um, that was that movie that just came out about World War yeah. One, right? Yeah. And it was not nominated for many Oscars, including for, for screenplay. So, uh, and the director uh, won an Oscar for, for foreign films. So I'm really the only person on the team that uh, doesn't have any, uh, any Oscars or anything like that. You're but a New York Times really- bestselling author, so there. Thank you. I, I, will, I will take it. I won't beat myself up anymore. <laughs> so, all right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and be safe. Thank you for having me. And I, all I right. hope all of your, all, all the complaints you hear are from hypochondriacs only. <laughs> Thanks. All right. <laughs> the World Health Organization has designated 2020 as a year of the nurse and midwife. In honor of the 200th birth anniversary of Florence Nightingale. And did you know that nurses have an 18 year running streak of being the number one most ethical and honest profession in all of America? Rogue Nurse Media 501c3 is going warp speed into this 2020 year of the nurse. We're sponsoring art exhibitions, murals, networking events, movie screenings, and writing webinars to promote the positive image of nurses in the media. We'd love for you to join our team. We're looking for volunteers and sponsors to help us go forward with this amazing journey. For more information, email us at nursesandhypochondriacs at gmail.com. And oh, don't forget to go ahead and give us a five-star rating on iTunes.